Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here, Friday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us there, listening to this great radio partner or watching live on the stream for YouTube. Just search out Outkick. We hope you subscribe while you're there. Join Chad in the chat and uh, pound that like button. Hit the, uh, hit the alarm. Set it for you. That way, every time we go live and everything on demand, you can get the alert from all the great programs here. Uh, Chad, we've certainly had a whirlwind of news across college football and something that we we felt was coming was more conference realignment i mean why not we've seen that in july over the past two years colorado to the big 12 and now the dominoes as we await what happens with the pac-12 and member schools and the big 12 wanting to to add more brett mcmurphy joins us uh, Action Network College Football Insider. Uh, Brett, thank you for the time, man. And uh, your report yesterday with the Big 12 wanting to add between one to three more, more institutions, more programs, specifically Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. Why not? What, what was the reasoning behind those, those programs not being a part of the Colorado announcement? Well, they... They, those guys don't want to come to the Big 12, at least not yet. Um, Colorado did. I think that was kind of telling that Colorado decided to make the move before they've seen the, what the media rights deal will be with the Pac-12. Uh, you know, usually when you change conferences or even, you know, for anybody out there, just whenever they change a job, you usually, <laughs> usually wait to see what your current offer is going to be before you, before you move on to something else. So I think that's how frustrated Colorado was. Um, you know, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, at least up to this point, um, I feel like they're committed to the Pac-12. But, you know, look, everybody's committed till they're not committed. Um, will that change their mindset now that Colorado's gone? Because this is not the Pac-12 that any of these guys signed up for. There's no USC. There's no UCLA. There's no LA market. That hurts recruiting. And now one of your biggest markets in Denver is now leaving and you could lose another school. So that's why, yeah, they, that's why they didn't do it then because they didn't want to go. Um, will that change? We'll have to see. But, you know, like, like you said, I reported yesterday, the Big 12 has 13 members with Colorado coming in next year. They will not have 13 members next year. They will have a minimum of 14. And what they're going to do is they're going to wait and see if they can get another Pac-12 program. And how long will they wait? Uh, there's not a deadline as of yet. Uh, it could be a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Uh, you know, keep in mind, even though it's for next year, when Missouri left the, uh, excuse me, the Big 12 for the SEC, they didn't announce that until November. And then they started playing in the SEC the next year. So I think probably the latest it would go would be, would be the first of the year. Um, but they're going to wait and see if they can get any Pac-12 schools. And if they do, um, they will take them. If they can't get any Pac-12 schools, then they would have to 
they would have, a, have to find a group of five school to, to make the jump, which probably won't be hard. Uh, but the, really their dream scenario is to get the three schools you mentioned. That, so they'd have all four corner schools, Utah, um, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State. And obviously I think, you know, Oregon and Washington also might be a possibility, but it's kind of, it's kind of felt by pretty much everyone involved that they're kind of holding out to try to get to the Big Ten. So I think the Big 12 would probably prefer not to bring in Oregon and Washington, thinking that they may only be there for a couple of years until they get a Big Ten invite. Of the first three we're discussing here, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, who's at the top of the list for your mark in the Big 12? So I really don't think anyone is, quote, at the top of the list. I do, I do know that Arizona is further along in the process than any other school. Uh, you know, I reported yesterday that, that um, Arizona President Bobby Robbins and your mark met at the Final Four in Houston, uh, you know, back in late March, early April. So they've had in-person meetings. There were discussions about Arizona potentially coming to the Big 12. So they're further along, I, but I kind of liken this to kind of like a, a mile run, if you will. Um, old school, I guess it's now at the 1,600 meters. Um, Arizona's in the lead after two laps. It doesn't mean they can get past – there's not a chance they can get passed by. And if Arizona kind of takes their sweet time with this and say one of the other schools we mentioned says, hey, we want in right now, we're ready to go, let's do it, uh, I'm pretty confident the Big 12 would say, okay, let's go. I don't think they're going to call up Arizona and say, hey, this is your last chance. If you don't accept this, we're going to take uh, this other school. So it, it may be first come, first serve. Or, you know, obviously if the, if the Big 12 can pull it off, they'd love to get, get three schools. If they can't get three schools, they'll play with 14 next season in 2024. And then their longer-term vision is to eventually get up to 16 schools um, the same number that the excuse me the Big Ten and SEC currently will have going forward next year. Brett McMurphy with us, America's college football insider from Action Network. How forthright has George Klyavikov been with Pac-12 schools on what that media deal should look like or could look like, and how forthright can he be based on how far along this process is to getting a new media deal? I was hoping you guys would tell me. I mean, this has been <laughs> one of the strangest uh, meteorite deals uh, I've ever followed. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, they're in a tough spot, obviously, losing SC and UCLA. But, you know, look, for the last 12 months, almost 13 months, they've been saying they're pursuing a meteorites deal. The presidents have come out talking to various reporters in the past 12 months saying, a deal is coming soon. A deal is imminent. The, the Pac-12 even put out a statement back in, uh, in the middle of February saying we're expecting a deal to come very soon. Well, very soon is, is four, four or five months later. They still don't have anything. So I know they've been very quiet about it. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously kept the information close to the vest where the athletic directors don't even know what's going on. And it sounds like I'm not sure how many of the presidents really know what's going on, but the thing that he said at Pac-12 Media Day, I was out there in Vegas, where he basically said, you know, we've got a media deal done, but we don't want to announce it now because we want the concentration on, on football. And thankfully, um, one of the reporters had a follow-up question and said, so 
let me make this clear. You have a, you're, you have a media rights deal done, but you're not announcing it because you want to concentrate on football. And then Kleofkoff said, well, now you're reading into it something that it's not what I said. And everyone in the room's looking at each other like, no, you just said it's done. And now you're saying it's not done. So there's a lot of confusion. And the problem is for the Pac-12, since I've been working on this, ESPN's gone through mass layoffs. A lot of other media companies have, have uh, struggled. And so really nobody knows where they're going to end up. Uh, ESPN and Fox don't need the inventory to add the Pac-12. That was something Colorado AD Rick George said um, at, the, at the press conference announcing the move to the Big 12. We went to the Big 12 because of more stability, and we want to be aligned with the ESPN and Fox. So in a way, he's saying the Pac-12 will not be aligned with the ESPN and Fox. Who will they be aligned with? Will they be heavy with streaming services? Will they be some kind of offshoot network like the CW or something like that? It's an unknown. Nobody really knows. And until they get this deal done, there's going to be speculation that teams are going to leave for the Big 12. So let's go back to the Big 12 now. How real is the the talk of UConn? And does that make sense for the Big 12 and for UConn? And what exactly is the tie-in with Brett Yormark and and this UConn program and what seems to be a bit of an infatuation with, with, the, with UConn? Yeah, well, so what I was told is, you know, they'll, they'll try to get the Pac-12 schools. If none of the Pac-12 schools make the jump, then they would decide between one of four group five schools, UConn, Memphis, San Diego State, and UNLV. The problem or challenge for San Diego State and UNLV is they would have to pay a $34 million exit fee to get out of the Mountain West. There ain't no way they're going to be able to do that. Um, UConn would have to pay a $30 million exit fee to get out of the Big East. Um, Brett Yormark is very high on UConn. He loves the New York market. Um, he's a New York guy, and he thinks that you know you're you're buying you're buying a, if you are you're buying a stock low because of how high it can go for the um, you know hopes hopes it's going to go through the roof. So buy low, sell high. That's why he likes UConn. A lot of the president, university presidents aren't sold on UConn. A lot of the ADs, although they don't have a vote, are not sold on UConn. Obviously, their basketball is off the charts. But this is, you know, largely a football decision, and UConn has struggled in football. Yeah, they, they got to a bowl game last year with Jim Moore, but they've struggled in the past few years. So um, this will be fascinating if they do have to go the good five route where they go because, um, you know, San Diego State offers the L.A. market in theory. UNLV, I think the Big 12 looks at it like Vegas is the place to be. I mean, the Pac-12 just had their media days in Vegas. They have no members in Vegas. So Vegas is kind of one of those buy-low products also. Memphis um, helps geography-wise. I know geography doesn't matter anymore. But they've got huge, huge backing with FedEx. Money talks that could that could make the Tigers the pick, and then you've got UConn that uh, you know, like you mentioned, your mark really likes them because of the potential of getting the New York market and doing doing some stuff out on the East Coast. So I know everyone makes it sound like UConn's like the choice automatically. 
that's not what I'm being told. I'm being told it's it's between those four. Yeah, it may end up being UConn, but it's not a slam dunk like everybody says. And to be clear, they are not taking UConn over a Pac-12 team because the, their TV deal grants them pro rata with a with a Power Five school. It does not do so with a UConn. So if they add a Group of Five school, there is no guarantee that they would be paid the same amount of money that they were by adding Colorado. Brett McMurphy with us on Hot Mike with, with Hutton and Withrow. Do, does the move for Colorado happen to the Big 12 if Deion Sanders is not the head coach? Man, that's a great question. And I, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to say unlikely. I'm not saying it wouldn't happen. I'm just saying it's unlikely. I think, I mean, look, Colorado, I was told this was not an emotional decision for them. This is financial. They're going to make more money in the Big 12. Um, again, they're going to they're going to be on ESPN and Fox. People are going to see him. But, yeah, make no mistake, Dion did have, Dion did have a big influence on this decision. But Dion is not, it wasn't like Dion said, I want to go to the Big 12. And suddenly they said, hey, let's go to the Big 12 because Dion wants to. They were far enough along where obviously then they brought Dion into the fold and said, what do you think about this? He obviously loves it because now he can go recruit in the state of Texas. The Big 12 has four schools in the state of Texas. And I think, uh, I don't know if you guys agree or not, but I think that's what's really hurt Nebraska. When Nebraska left the Big 12 to go to the Big 10, suddenly they couldn't recruit in the state of Texas anymore because you can't, you know, you can't tell those parents, hey, we're going to play down here two or three times a year. And so Nebraska's Texas recruiting dried up, and Nebraska has not been successful since they moved to the Big Ten. So I think, obviously, Dion was behind it. He was definitely in favor of it. Um, I don't necessarily think if they had a different coach, if they still wouldn't make the move. But I think, obviously, with him being there, that, that sealed it and made it a slam dunk. Brett, we've seen with this realignment stuff, it's never just one thing. It always comes in bunches or at least a pair when it happens. Jim Phillips of the ACC came right out and said, we're open for business. We're always looking for possible realignment and adding to the conference and making it stronger. When you compare that to Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti both saying, we're not that interested in expansion right now. We're good. We're set. What does that tell you about the current status of the ACC and what is something that might make sense for that conference if they decide to add? Well, the reason why Tony Batiti and Greg Sankey are saying we're fine, because there's nobody currently available that would add value to either league. Um, we'll say Notre Dame somehow got out of the ACC agreement and suddenly says we're going to join a conference. I guarantee you the Big, Big Ten and SEC would be fighting a death match over Notre Dame. Um, there's no one available right now. It's funny. I talked to um, Jim Phillips at the ACC spring meetings back in May, and I asked him about expansion. And he said, there's nobody that adds value. We're not going to add, um, you know, a Tulane or a USF or anybody like that. That doesn't help us. So that was in May. So I don't know if things have changed that quickly where now it's like, Okay, we're looking at who we can add. They do have a pro rata deal with ESPN, which means if they add any new members, ESPN has to pay the league the same amount per school that they're paying the current membership. Um, 
So then if you bring in a new member, that new member would get a lower amount and then the rest of the amount could be divided up between the existing members. I don't know the, who the ACC could really add um, that's not just going to dilute the product. I don't know. I find it hard to believe they could get anybody from the Big 12. I've seen West Virginia mentioned. I don't know how realistic that is. You know, is Oregon and Washington want to go to the ACC? I guess potentially, but the travel for that is going to be as crazy as USC and UCLA to the Big 10. The big difference there is they're only going to make about a third of what the Big 10 schools are going to make. So, you know, are you basically spending all of your travel in your media rights? So I don't know. I, I think desperate times for everybody and everybody's trying to figure this out. I mean, we're all getting, we're all headed to the end game. And what that is, is Big Ten and SEC have 20 schools. And then maybe there's another conference with 16 and then who knows what else is out there. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, uh, Sean Payton has uh, apologized. He says he regrets the comments that he made uh, about Nathaniel Hackett and comments to USA Today. The quote, I had one of those moments where I still had my Fox hat on and not my coaching hat on. As, as you know, I, I said this to the team in the meeting yesterday. We've had a great offseason relative to that. I'm, and I've been preaching that message, and here I am, a veteran, you know, stepping in it. It was a learning experience for me. It was a mistake, obviously. I need a little bit more filter. I said what I said, and obviously I needed a little bit more restraint, and I regret that. Now, I've, the, the last couple sentences, the last sentence, I said what I said, and obviously I needed a little bit more restraint, and I regret that. He's not walking anything back in that. He just regrets the fact that he said it in the manner and tone that he did based on uh, what he's been preaching to the locker room, Chad, which is what you mentioned a, a few minutes ago. I wish he would have said nothing and just rolled right through it and said, yeah, the interview speaks for itself, and this, that's how I feel. 
Um, that tells me he's probably not going to be as off the cuff as he was in that interview, which doesn't completely shock me either. The I had my Fox analyst hat on is, is funny uh, about what he's saying. And I also believe that he's trying to send a message with oh. everything that he's saying. So all of that makes sense. Um, I, I just And then he goes on to say something about, we've had a great offseason other than that. Like that was the yeah, low point of the offseason, off season his, his interview. I mean, come on. Um, yeah, I, I, I wish he would just say more like what he said yesterday, and we yeah. didn't have an apology today. Well, but again, he ends it by saying, uh, I said what I said, and obviously I need a little bit more restraint, and I regret that. Not having restraint, not the comments. That's how I read into right. that. Uh, but I and also hear he's going to show restraint now moving forward. Yeah. And not say exactly what he thinks. As, as, every, uh, as every coach, unfortunately, does right yeah, now. You know? for sure. Chad, uh, Andy Reid was thinking more retirement than what we may have known. He told Jay Glazer uh, back towards the, the, the Super Bowl, um, right before they kicked off, a, a day or two before, Jay Glazer spoke with Andy Reid. And uh, asked him, if you win this game, will this be the final time we see you coach? And Glazer went on to say, it wasn't a no, but he said, look, I'm not getting any younger. I still have a young quarterback. I have a decision to make after this game. Clark Hunt, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, said it was never really brought up, although he did reference that Reed had some things to think about. And then there was kind of radio silence on it. And so it kind of festered it, its own uh, storyline at that point. But at no point did they bring it up within the front office and Andy Reid is back. He's 65 years old. Um, reading this story, whenever, the, whenever it was uh, put out there by Hunt, the, the owner, um, it, was in, it was tied into, not directly, but it was the same headline uh, graph along with the Belichick's on the hot seat. And I was thinking, well, if Andy Reid is thinking about this, going out on top with his rings at 65, Belichick's, what, 71, I believe? I don't think Bill Belichick will sit around and let himself get fired. I think he'll step away. I think he'll be given the option. To retire, if they don't get it done, yeah, he'll, he'll be given he'll be given the proper. Can I give you a, a, a random the scenario proper here? sailor's farewell? This of, is us. You can step aside, or we'll fire you. Brainstorming here. If he steps aside or is fired, what do you think Jerry Jones does in Dallas? That's a great question. I, I again, Jerry Jones loves stars. He loves stars, but I mean, I. How old is Bill Belichick again? 71. Man. Now, how old? Uh, this is what I'd like to see. How old was Bill Parcells when he hired him? Not 71, but had to no. be early 60s good, uh, at, at, least, at the time. Yeah. I mean, at least for Parcells, he took over for Dave Campo and not. <laughs> would be taken over for McCarthy in 12-win team. This sounds crazy for a guy with the Super Bowl trophy in the rings that Bill Belichick has. But I have a lot of questions about Bill Belichick as a coach right now in 2023. Yeah. He butchered the offensive coordinator situation a year ago. Couldn't get along with Brady at the end. 
Couldn't get along with Brady. Granted, Brady was bad, too. Yeah, was, he wasn't out there playing. In 2019, his numbers were 63% completion percentage or whatever. He wasn't was. out there playing Brady's position. Brady had a lot to do with it himself. He was bad. But if he gets forced out in New England, I think even Jerry Jones, who loves stars, would have a hard time saying, yeah, I'm going to bring on 72 now, 72-year-old Bill Belichick to be the head coach. The Andy Reid thing, I just assume every year could be the last for Andy Reid. Yeah. At this point in his career, with all he's done, I, I feel like after every season ends, I'm, 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 I'm on Andy Reid retirement watch at that point. So that, that, that headline does not surprise me in the least. And they're going, going for the uh, back-to-back here. Uh, Chad, yesterday we had, uh, who was it in the chat, do you remember, who brought up this topic? Because we were discussing quarterback on Netflix, which you've completed now, right? Yeah, it was a gentleman by the name of Royce. Royce, who asked all time, who would you want featured for that one season on quarterback across the NFL for a Netflix Yeah, he said, show. regardless of decade, era, anything, if you could go back in time. This is not like, oh, the primitive cameras of, you know, the 19, late 1950s you have to use. We're saying you can use... High-definition Netflix cameras to come in and capture everything around a quarterback for a season. Who would the three quarterbacks be that we'd go with? Uh, we knew two of yours based on yesterday, but go through your list. Well, I changed mine. Okay. I, 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 kept, I kept two. Well, no, two I, of, I did keep two, two of, of the them. Three. You're right, yeah. Uh, go through yours and, and the thought process behind each one because I do like your list. So when I initially answered, I went immediately with um, the crazy. Yeah. I went with nightlife, womanizing, hard drinking, great stories of parties. I kind of went that route. And then I, I took a step back and I thought, that would be fun to watch. That, that's definitely fun <laughs> to watch. and needs to be an element in my TV show. But I need to get at least one person that's got just enough intrigue an aura around them that you haven't seen a lot on, that it's mostly private to be a part of this also. So I'm going with the first part of this, the crazy nightlife, king of the city type personality, Joe Namath in 68 with the Jets, their Super Bowl championship season. Super Bowl three, first AFL team to win it all, and the guarantee from Joe Willie Namath and him living it up in Manhattan for an entire season. Sign me up. I'm watching late 60s New York, the Jets, all of that. Love it. The other one is Ken Stabler, the snake. 1976 a good one. is the year I'm going to with this. That was John Madden's Super Bowl team. I mean, you look up and down the roster of that team and the crazy characters on those Raiders teams starting with the head coach and John Madden and the crazy stories surrounding Kenny the Snake Stabler. I mean, so many great behind-the-scenes things you could see with Ken Stabler back in the day. Sign me up for that one. And finally, Hutton, Joe Montana. This was my choice of intrigue, a little bit of mystery, well thought of in all football circles, I want to know more about the guy. There was a big piece done, I want to say by ESPN, in like the last six months, chronicling Joe Montana. It was done by uh, Wright Thompson. Wrote a big okay. piece on Joe Montana that it's very long, but very, very good. 
Joe Montana's won, and I, I picked his last Super Bowl championship, the 1989 49ers. Um, that was this team that beat the Broncos 55-10 to 10 in the Super Bowl. And, I mean, that's Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Tom Rathman, um, great uh, Charles Haley mm-hmm. was on that team with the 49ers. Probably some crazy things that could come out of that. Just Roger Craig was on that 49ers team. Montana's last Super Bowl championship, 1990 <laughs> season. I'm putting him on the show as well. I love, I love the list. Uh, and I, I like the historical nature of it, too, from an era where we didn't get that access. I'm, I'm going more recent with mine. Um, By the way, I'd watch a docu-series now on Joe Montana. Sure, yeah. Just following just around, following going around back in time and having him tell stories. Uh, I'm, I'm, start, I'm going with a more recent era, but one where we still didn't have this type of access. And I'm starting with Troy Aikman and the Dallas Cowboys. And pick your year, 93, uh, 94, 96, the championship years. And it's more about the interactions within that locker room and the clicks within that locker room where you had so much craziness going on where, I mean, they had a white house quote unquote that players would go to uh, for obvious reasons and that the on the field, off the field successes and failures. I think it would be fascinating to see how Aikman navigated all of that. There is a, and it's maybe not exactly the same, Chad. We were talking before the show. There's a Tim Tebow, Florida Gators feel to this. I think that it would have, much like Swamp King should, whenever it drops, that Aikman is kind of you know the pretty boy, and then you have everything else go on that some knew about, some didn't, and if you knew about it, you looked the other way. If you didn't know, you didn't think to ask. I'm, I'm I would love this. I would love to see anything that takes you inside the White House. I don't know how many times Troy Aikman went inside the White House. Michael Irvin, I'm de- I bet. Well, th- maybe we Tuesday, would see him Tuesday, guys, there. off day. Here maybe, we go. Imagine being the crew that would be following that. <laughs> Just walking around the, the White yeah. House, seeing everything going on. I, I, love, I love this one because Troy Aikman did have that all-American boy type persona as a Dallas Cowboy. And I don't think that's necessarily true with him. But it would have been good to see behind the scenes of that team and the personalities around it. Uh, number two for me, Steve Air McNair. The guy was country strong from Mississippi, didn't work out. Others had to go in the weight room and do certain things. McNair didn't. Uh, he developed his game into more of a passer during his career. And I'm specifically looking at the 99 season. But... Uh, the man needed a beer before he would take the field for warm-ups. He also needed a nap from whatever he was drinking the night before. That would be unbelievable access that we will not get. And we didn't get that from that era from anyone, really. And the, the run to the Super Bowl through a new stadium and a, a, a franchise moving to, to Nashville, that would be awesome. Can you imagine... What we know, Hutton, about Steve McNair and the things you just mentioned, but for a, a national audience to see that, like if you yeah. can even just go back in time and we get lost footage of the 99 season and you see what McNair was up to on a regular basis and the shock and awe yeah. of people. Because what we know now, it's so 
pre-programmed. And going through all the injuries and playing through those, too. All the personality has been nuked from the sport, and it all feels programmatic about how the week goes, about what guys say, what they put in their bodies, what they do. Steve McNair, I'm with you, would break the mold of that and would be fascinating and entertaining to watch. And some of the craziest things are what you're talking about, how dude was just naturally country strong. Yeah. I mean, he played football and practiced, did not work out outside no. of that, didn't need to, and still got the job done. Yeah, if he went into the weight room, it wasn't for very long. And uh, Joey Barranco is still with the franchise. Make sure he had a cold beer on Sunday morning in the locker. And a place to go. They would make sure they had a quiet, dark room for him to go take a nap. Insane. From whatever he was drinking, wine before, the, the night before, whatever. Uh, and that was stadium to stadium. They had to search out this a room This guy once shared the MVP with Peyton Manning one year or two. The same person we're talking about with all the stuff that he was up to. Finally, Johnny Football. Johnny Manziel, rookie season of 2014. Uh, you think he worked out very much? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, it depends uh, on what you call working out. He worked uh, well. That's how fair. would one define working out? I, I want to know how much he even would study behind the scenes for the game versus partying because anywhere he goes, the party follows. Chad, you and I saw that firsthand in College Station. Yeah, I think his, I think A and M beat Bama. I think his hip flexibility was on point <laughs> during that era. I don't I don't know about the biceps or uh, any other type of workouts. He's One, cardio was probably pretty good. At that time, too, I'd say cardio, hip yeah. flexibility on point, everything else, not so much. And one of the greatest college football players of all time in that run he was on to not do anything of substance on the field in the NFL. Having the chance to see him at one bar in College Station the one time we were there, yeah. it, it was like the Beatles uh, got off the plane in New York City yes. back in the mid-60s. That's what it was like watching Manziel walk into that bar. Coming up. Travis Kelsey is taking one thing personally. We'll tell you what that is. Plus, let's get weird. That's next on Hot Mind. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coming up in about 40 minutes, gun show. Mike Gunzelman brings the energy into our Outkick Studios here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. He's going to bring the energy. He's going to bring the heat. A lot of heat in 6th and Peabody today. And I mean that literally and figuratively. Yes. Because it is scorching hot outside and in this building right now. Chad, we're uh, discussing quarterback on Netflix. How much is Kelsey featured with Mahomes in that show? He So, more than any other teammate. Because Mahomes, when he's celebrating, typically he's celebrating a touchdown pass to Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> so he's running to him, and you hear Kelsey interact with him through Mahomes' mic. He's not mic'd up. They do have a behind-the-scenes deal where he goes on the Kelsey Brothers podcast. So he's there with him. So the answer is more than any other Chiefs player, you're going to get a, a sense of Travis Kelsey with Mahomes. Uh, you mentioned the podcast, the New Heights show, the New Heights podcast. 
Here's Travis Kelsey uh, with his brother Jason discussing Taylor Swift and what he took personal. Speaking of Taylor Swift, I know you went to the Taylor Swift concert. How was it? Yeah, well, I was disappointed that she doesn't talk before or after her shows because she has to save her voice for the 44 songs that she sings. So I was a little butthurt I didn't get to hand her one of the bracelets I made for her. You made her a bracelet? Yeah. If you're up on uh, Taylor Swift concerts, there are friendship bracelets, and I received a bunch of them being there, but I wanted to give Taylor Swift one with my number on it. Not right now. Your number's in 87 or your phone number? You know which one. <laughs> She doesn't meet anybody, or at least she didn't want to meet me, so I took a personal. She probably just hasn't gotten over the Super Bowl yet. She's a big Eagles fan. Maybe she just made something up and just didn't want to talk to you. Damn it. Love Kelsey. Yeah. Love that. Love that he he used his opportunity, you know, tried to at least. And I kind of like that he takes it personally. Took it personally that she wouldn't speak to him, even though she doesn't speak to anyone. Like mm -hmm. uh, Michael Jordan. You and I were thinking about Michael Jordan. Here's uh, MJ from The Last Dance. It's all I needed for him to do that, and it. It became personal with me. <laughs> That's MJ on the competition. I saw there's like a two minute and 45 <laughs> second clip of all 10 parts of that docuseries, The Last Dance, and every time he says, I took it personal. And it's got the description of the story and how he ends it with, and that, that was personal to me. And I took it personal. And it was just titled, MJ Takes Things Personally. I and Travis Kelsey took it personally. I, I didn't know about the friendship bracelet thing with Swifties. Taylor Swift should put out a video or something on social media making a joke of this and like showing a friendship bracelet yeah. and say, hey, Travis, sorry I didn't catch you afterwards, but here this is. But apparently this whole voice rest thing is real. So she'd have to do it without speaking. Well, I, and, I, and I guess she didn't speak that, to anyone. But she's doing 44 songs or whatever yeah, I said. Get it. But she's doing it on three consecutive nights. Yeah. And then doing it again. Uh, three hours up the road for three consecutive nights. How would Kelsey and Swift rate as a power couple? Uh, very near the top. Brady, Giselle, or now Brady, Irina Shake. I think you said how to pronounce yeah, was it. Was it Bradley, Bradley Cooper's Coop ex-girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. You'll know how to pronounce the name better than me. I would either. say Kelsey Swift is bigger than that. And it's because of Taylor Swift. Yes. Brady bigger than Kelsey. But Swift way bigger than Giselle or Irina Shake. Taylor Swift ranked uh, 34 currently with a net worth of 740 million. Kylie Jenner's right there too. Right, I just want right around her. I want Taylor Swift's people to get with her. Dude just walked up the door, looks just like Billy Lucci with gray hair. It was very freaky. <laughs> Looking right in here, that was scary. Someone like the, else can vouch uh, when they look Instagram back. I app. thought it was Billy for a second. The TikTok app. And I looked at him. He's looking right through my soul <laughs> as I looked at him, staring me right in the eyes. That was the strangest thing ever. Um, Taylor Swift, though, needs to have some fun with this. Yeah, uh, that friendship bracelet, a, a little weird. Uh, just like these headlines from Davey Hudson on Hot Mic. How would you say your mental focus is? Oh, it's focused. <laughs> I, say it's, I think it's, I, I haven't, look, I have trouble even mentioning, even saying to myself my own head the number of years. I no more think of myself as being as old as I am than fly. <laughs> well, I'm focused, but I'm not prepared. But we're going to see how this goes anyway. That clip is real, by the way. Just the whole, the, oh, I'm yeah, There's focused. plenty of those. That's good. All right, guys, uh, yesterday... On the way out, this might have even been during the break, but Neil deGrasse Tyson got brought up, so yeah. I, I decided. I'll bring up the fact that I, I, he hasn't seen uh, an alien, you know, with yeah. his massive telescope and wherever he has that in New York. 
Well, one of the facts that he gave uh, several years ago that I, I thought was fascinating, I was going to share with you all. But, you know, if you look at a globe, specifically one that kind of has like the topographical fill, so it's like if you rub your fingers over the Himalayas, you get the bumpy fill yep. there, or it's like wherever the trenches are in the, in the ocean, it's a little bit more of a, a crater there. Uh, so the best way to look at this is if you were to take Earth and you were to shrink it down to the size of a cue ball, it would be the smoothest cue ball ever machined. And a lot of people think, well, that's kind of weird if you look at the mountains, you know, the valleys, everything of that nature. The highest altitude on Earth is Mount Everest. And with that, you're looking at slightly over 29,000 feet. The deepest part of Earth is the Mariana Trench, which is roughly 36,000 feet deep. So if you take those two together, that's a distance of 12 miles. Well, that's less than all of Manhattan Island. So then if you take the diameter of the Earth, which is a little less than 8,000 miles, the difference of 12,000 versus 8,000, you shrink that down, it's just going to be the smoothest machine cue ball ever. It's just hard to, to fascinate or to imagine that. And Neil deGrasse Tyson taught you this? Yes. Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, by Key and Peele on how he gets out of arguments with his wife is a great yeah. comedy bit. It's a good one. It's hard not Davey, to. Davey, we're always learning with you. I, yeah, I love, the, I love these facts. Okay. Well, speaking of mountains, so this is just another one. This was not taught to me by Neil, but everyone thinks, you say, oh, what's the tallest mountain on the earth? Everybody's going to point to Everest. Well, it's a debatable answer because Everest is the highest altitude on earth, but if you were to actually say the tallest mountain from base to its peak, it would be Mauna Kea in Hawaii because that from its base, which starts in the ocean, is 33,000 feet tall. And then if you were to say, well, if you look at how the earth is, we're not technically a sphere. We're like an oblate sphere. So towards the equators, you're farther away from earth center than you are where you would be at from the poles. So if you were to say, what's the farthest point away from the earth center, it also would not be Mount Everest. It would be Mount Chimborazo, which is located in Ecuador. But if you look at it on a map, I think that mountain's only 68 100 feet, maybe seven, or yeah, maybe 7,000. So it's always a debatable answer whenever someone says, like, what's the tallest mountain? Are and, we just doing facts now? You know. now? Or, or no, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready he to he just, lost out on the Creed Crew, so now he's about to climb Everest. I, I thought we had just changed the segment to Davey just gives us a, a full uh, lecture on Creed's going to have geology. a concert from Everest no. is what I'm hearing. But now, now you have those facts to take with you and do as you please. But no, our first story comes to us from Utah. I mean, I saw Oppenheimer last night. <laughs> thought I got enough science there. Apparently not. Getting a lot more today. Good job, Davey. Uh, thank you. So our next story, a Utah mom has paid her daughter $500. Think of that. $500 to go on 100 different dates or 100 dates with a different man. In in, in before, hopes of what? Before she wants her married? No, she, no. Before she gets married? Yes, she doesn't want her to settle for somebody. So she said, if you go on a hundred different dates, how old's the daughter? Uh, now I believe she's twenty. So it, I, you, I don't know the details of this, Davy, but I'm assuming that she's in some relationship that was from high school. I don't know. Like, who's accepting five hundred dollars if you're in love with someone and you want to get married to them? Yeah, I, I, like that's the other thing too. It's, I mean, you meet somebody along the way, you don't want to do it, but it, it's five hundred dollars. Yeah. But she kind of kept track of it, and like there was a, a photo of like the names of date like one through one hundred. 
But following the Chris Jenner model yeah. of parenting here. But this is Utah, and so now I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm it already also imagining. Speak well, uh, speak highly for that girl's dad. Well, here's the thing, and that's this kind of sounds like the don't make the mistake I did with your father, and just they, settle for the they, first guy who's nice. Okay, or they don't like the guy that she's with. Here's here's yeah. where you need to take a step back because you all are thinking the way I would be thinking okay. with this, but we're talking about Utah here. Sixty-seven percent of that population is Mormon, so basically third base is just a kiss. Uh, <laughs> now the other thing with that, I you're assuming there are sixty-seven. They're a part of the sixty-seven percent. Yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and make that assumption. I like. I mean, based off the odds, I am right that she's Mormon. It's, okay. a, it's I mean, it's just playing it, playing it out. They now have a Real Housewives of Salt Lake City with uh, hot Mormon women on there, and they're, you, they're crazy. Have you ever dated a Mormon? No, I have not. Can't say that I have. Mm. You? Uh, He's currently reading the Book no. of Mormon to hope in hopes of so. That so she she <laughs> wasn't the, Mormon. Uh, she was from Salt Lake City. Her mom what's was the Mormon. Mormon equivalent of J date. Are you on that right now? J-date. That up. What movie is that from? J-Date is the Jewish dating site. Oh. I'm saying, is there a Mormon equivalent to there, that? It's like mormonsonly.com. Maybe. You need to get on mormonsonly.com and do some research. I'm not exactly looking to, like, but, but my story, though. Well, kind of weird women are pristine. Well, the, the girl Because they, they put nothing bad in their bodies. Like, it is a beautiful population in the state of Utah. The, the girl I dated, her mom was from Salt Lake City, and she was Mormon, but her dad was from Compton, which I was like, I don't know if I could get a more different upbringing than that. Uh, we went on the second date. We Very ended up judgmental. going. That's for sure. <laughs> you guys know I'm cheap, but the station I was working with at the time, we had an axe throwing company that was partnering with us. So I was like, oh, cool. She's not going to know that that's the thing. So I basically like took her axe throwing, realized very quickly <laughs> that like in the event of an apocalypse, she would be a terrible partner. Like she, they gave her the smallest axe ever. She still couldn't get <laughs> it to stick curve. in the board. It's like so, talking in a movie for you. Yeah, Talking to movie in rough. the middle All of right. a television show. Uh, yeah, look, you can't throw an axe. Here's, get Davey's, out of here. here's Davey's dating test. They go watch a movie. If she's silent through that, he then immediately hands her an axe yeah. and says, now throw this off of something. Let's see well, how, but how good you feel. Dave, you realize if the apocalypse happens, the axe isn't going to help you survive. You're done. Well, it was more just of like a, me. It was, it was I more don't of need a, an axe. Like, yeah. No, 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 no I'm not saying it was the axe, but it was just like the pure lack of strength at all. It's like, what are you going to do? It's like, I don't even know if she could carry a jug of water. protect me. I don't even know if she could carry a jug of water. Like, I, I, just, I, I don't know. It's like, I'm, like, I'm not going to. It's like, listen, here's. She's I can, not Creed Cruise material. I can pull my own weight, but I'm not the type of person that's going to be able to have somebody else rise above like where they're already at in, in that situation. Word but, of advice, Davey. Yeah. Take the money that you were going to spend on the Creed Cruise now that you can't get a ticket. Buy a plane ticket to Salt Lake City and go find this woman that has to go on 100 oh. dates to get and be one of the 100 to help her get that $500, and let's see if we can make a love connection on this show. Maybe you'll convert. Can we just pay this girl to $500 to not do this and, and go on multiple dates with Davey? Yeah, let's just yeah. make Davey we'll 50 just... of the 100 dates. 50 <laughs> first we'll just, dates we'll with ma- Davey Hudson we'll match it. and a Mormon woman in Utah. I mean, if she's Mormon, too, that's also, that that's also 100 free meals. Because so, like, the guy's going to be paying in this situation. Which date will you break, break out the axe? Two, three, one? Axe throwing. Well, mm, I don't know free. if I want to go axe throwing. It's got to be free. That's why you did it the first. I was time. just trying to do something different, but it. I don't know. Uh, next story. I'm just going to go ahead and transition now. So I don't know if you guys heard about this. Transition away. Uh, we I did mention Compton there. Well, this story comes from near Oakland, uh, but there was a woman on the Bay Bridge that decided at some point. First, she just pulls over 
gets in her car, middle of traffic. I think we do have a photo of like her car just parked. Um, she ended up getting out with a knife, started threatening people as cars are driving past her. And then the next thing you know, she gets back in the car, strips completely naked, grabs a gun, gets a handgun, steps outside, and then just starts firing until she's out of bullets. Now, I would imagine this was drug-related. <laughs> we don't exactly know, but I, I feel like again— like Your odds are higher yes. than the family being Mormon yeah. in, yeah. in Utah. Um, higher than 67%. Yes. So, but you just never know what's going to happen at 5 o'clock on a Tuesday on the Bay, Bay Bridge is the moral of the story. Yeah, based on traffic here, Five, sometimes— Maybe you feel like doing morning. that? Yeah. You like me? I've seen a couple nude people running around close to this facility <laughs> here. So that's nothing new. I, I just, the, the, I'm going to get out of my, I'm going to take my clothes off now and then pull the gun. That's just an interesting step to that's, take. That's mental instability. Knife to nude to gun. Yeah. Not just knife to gun and then evading the authorities, but I'm going to get naked also. I bet she could throw an axe naked. though, David. Naked. Yeah. She could throw an axe. We're out of time, so I guess I'll have to tease this one for next week about the Florida manatee. They finally got the autopsy back, and apparently he died from sex with his brother. Can't wait. That's on yeah. Monday. A very special edition. No, I won't of be Monday here Monday, show. so you have to wait till Tuesday for that one. I'll read the headline on Monday, Hub. Thank you. Hand me that headline, Davey. We I'll have give headlines a fact too. next right here on Hot Mike.